This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it is time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. Granite Staters are showing their support for Ukraine after Russia's invasion. It's been just over two years since their first cases of COVID in New Hampshire. Cases are now declining after the Omicron surge. And Manchester police are receiving training on responding to calls involving people with autism. Joining us now to talk about all of these stories and more are NHPR's Ali Pham. And for the first time on the, on the recap, Concord Monitor's Teddy Rosenblut. Good morning to you both. Morning. Thank you both for coming in. And Teddy, welcome for the, for the first time uh, on our recap. We're glad to have you. We are, we are. Teddy, it's been a little over a week since uh, Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, and I know you've been covering local demonstrations here in the Granite State supporting Ukraine. What did those demonstrations look like this week? Yeah, there were uh, two demonstrations in front of the State House this week. Um, you know, on the one on Wednesday, there were Ukrainian hymns being played over loudspeakers, you know, tons of blue and yellow flags everywhere, um, and almost 100 people had gathered in front of the State House. Pretty big gathering for um, a small state like uh, New Hampshire. What are people telling you during during this reporting that you've been doing? Yeah, so we heard stories from, you know, people who uh, have family who just, you know, narrowly escaped Ukraine, um, people who emigrated from Ukraine years ago, um, and even people who really don't really have a connection to Ukraine and just are kind of disturbed by what they've been seeing in the news. Um, I think what unites all of these people is that they want officials to know that, um, you know, Granite Staters care about what's happening and they feel like there's a, a really an, an urgent reaction needed to what's happening. They're moved. Yeah. yeah. Senator Maggie Hassan recently joined Republican Senator of Louisiana Bill Cassidy in introducing a resolution designating Russian President Vladimir Putin a war criminal. How are other New Hampshire representatives and officials responding to the crisis? Uh, so last week, uh, Governor Sununu signed an executive order um, that uh, would remove Russian liquor from uh, state-run liquor outlets. Um, you know, members of the New Hampshire delegation also urged the president to uh, grant Ukrainians in, in the United States uh, what's called temporary protected status. Uh, basically, that just means that they can stay in the country until Ukraine is safe to go home to. Okay. We'll be following the story, obviously, as it develops, um, both with NPR and our own reporting here on NHPR. And, of course, your reporting as well, Teddy. In other news, it's been just over two years since our first cases of COVID here in New Hampshire, two long years in the pandemic. Uh, how would you describe that moment New Hampshire is in with regard to COVID, Teddy? So I would start off by saying that the numbers are looking really good right now. <laughs> um, you know, we haven't seen cases and hospitalizations this low since August of 2021. Um, you know, Concord Hospital sends out this weekly report where they say how the hospital is doing. Um, and yesterday there were actually zero COVID patients in the ICU, which is just, you know, dramatically different from what we've seen even weeks ago. That's a wonderful thing to hear. Yeah. Allie, I know the state seems to be slowing down some efforts, including providing vaccination. What's happening with that? Yeah. So, I mean, the state has never really wanted to be the kind of big vaccine providers. They've kind of always had this goal of eventually kind of pulling out and shifting the responsibility of COVID vaccines more into the kind of traditional healthcare sphere, especially as demand kind of continues to fall. So what I think we're really going to start to see um, in the coming months is the state really pulling back on some of their fixed vaccination sites, which should actually point out are run by private companies that they contract with. So, for example, on-site medical services run some of those, and they expect that when their contract for these sites ends at the end of this month, they'll those locations will kind of close down. And they're not sure right now what the state will need from them in terms of mobile efforts or their, their team that does the home 
vaccines at people's homes. Um, And Governor Sununu had said last week he wants to see the rollout for our youngest children when that happens, mostly taking place in in doctor's offices and with pediatricians, but that we can still expect the vaccine van to be around um, at that time, which I think is, is very needed because, you know, not every family has a pediatrician or is going to go to a doctor's office to uh, seek out a vaccine. Yeah. The new CDC guidance says that many people in the state can go without masks based on, on new metrics right at the county level. Um, Teddy, can you explain what that framework looks like for, for counties around the state right now? Yeah. So the new classifications kind of go beyond case numbers um, and, you know, percent positivity rates and focus more on metrics that say something about um, illness severity. So that's hospitalizations, uh, hospital capacity. Um, And they say that because um, they say immunity is relatively high across the country. Um, So based on these new guidelines, um, the CDC no longer recommends indoor masking in any of uh, the counties in New Hampshire because they are either um, in the low or medium classifications. And you can see that as you go into stores and restaurants now, people feel more and more comfortable, obviously, not having a mask on. Definitely. Yeah. Under the CDC's guidance, what would happen if a county's transmission level did go up again? Yeah, so if the, the county crossed that threshold into, you know, high community levels, um, the CDC would once again recommend mask wearing indoors. Um, but, of course, that's a recommendation. You know, whether uh, towns and cities, uh, you know, choose to impose a mask mandate uh, really comes down to those uh, local officials. Allie, I know there's a federal vaccine mandate that's been delayed but it is set to take effect soon. It's, there's been a lot of uncertainty surrounding it. What's the context there? Yeah, there has. So that mandate will take effect on on March 15th. But there has been just so much uncertainty around it because initially earlier this winter, it was actually put on pause by a federal court in some states, including New Hampshire. So that shifted the timeline back. And then meanwhile, right now, there are bills that are moving through the state house that seek to undercut those federal regulations. Um, Although the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is the federal agency imposing that regulation, is very clear that even if those bills were to become law, that the federal regulations would supersede state law. Still, I think, you know, having contradictory state and federal rules would be just kind of confusing. It could Mm. cause some administrative headaches. some tension between employees and and so there's it seems definitely like there's some... a feeling too of why now <laughs> at this point right <laughs> yeah uh, I, this is morning edition on NHPR we're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Fam and the Concord Monitor's Teddy Rosenbluth what questions do you have about what's been going on in the state you can always email us and inform our reporting at nhpr.org. In other news, Ali, I know you recently reported that Manchester police are now receiving training on responding to calls that involve autistic people. Um, What prompted that training in in the department in Manchester? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few reasons. I think, one, the department recognizes that their officers frequently interact with autistic residents, even if officers might actually not always realize that's the case. And then, you know, some traits of autistic people like social anxiety, difficulty making eye contact and sensory sensitivity um, are interpreted as suspicious behavior by police officers, you know, not just in Manchester, but across the country. And, you know, that can contribute to even violent encounters between police and the public. And part of why this is happening now in Manchester, too, is because of the advocacy of one resident who really helped um, push for this after her son called the police last spring and, and was arrested. 
I know you spoke with several parents of children with autism who have interacted with police. What did they have to tell you about those experiences? Yeah, I did. And not all of these families were in in Manchester, to be clear. But um, one woman I spoke with, Catherine Dutton, she's a mom of three. She has two sons with autism age 10 and 14. Both have had encounters with the police. Often, she says her oldest will run away from school and law enforcement is called. And, you know, here's what she kind of said in, in summary of their the family's experiences. We've had some really wonderful, compassionate officers. And we've also had some really less than compassionate officers that came in very angry, very hostile, and made the situation much worse. And so I think what she's getting here at here is what a lot of families I spoke to really stressed, which is that calling law enforcement or having them involved can just feel like a complete toss up. Like maybe they'll help, but maybe they'll actually make the situation worse. And so there's just some fear to call them to begin with because, okay, what if, you know, getting them involved is actually putting my kid in in harm's way? And another point I really want to stress here is these concerns that some white families I spoke to can be significantly magnified for black and Latino families due to racial bias. So what does this new training look like, Allie? What what, what are some what kind of outcome are, are these families hoping for? Yeah. Um, so the first training took place a, a few weeks ago where clinicians from the Moore Center trained a handful of officers. And then those officers will help lead future four-hour trainings alongside clinicians for the, the, their remaining 240 colleagues. Um, I think what families would like to see is just more consistency and and more empathy for their kids and and an understanding that officers may need to uh, approach a situation a little differently even in ways that can maybe sound small like just turning off their lights de-escalation yeah yeah i want to ask you both before i let you go what's next in your reporting um teddy and ellie both what else are you reporting on right now let's start with you teddy what should we be on the lookout for from you and your beat Sure. So I'm going to be looking at, you know, how local businesses are responding to changing mass guidance and, you know, when, if ever, downtown Concord is going to back going to go back to, you know, pre-pandemic normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll keep, um, you know, it's it's an ongoing story that is probably not going to end anytime soon. That's right. Still talking about COVID, of course. How about you, Allie? Yeah, I've been working on a story that centers the experience of one woman in Brookline. She's pregnant with twins and she has a very high risk pregnancy and also um, she she knows that one twin won't be able to actually live outside the womb. And she's just really had to navigate uh, a complicated landscape of specialty medical care. And she, she's done this in the wake of New Hampshire's recent restrictions on abortions after 24 weeks. Okay, we'll be watching for that very personal story. Thank you very much, Allie and Teddy. NHPR's Allie Pham and the Concord Monitor's Teddy Rosenbluth. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us, Rick. Thanks. You can find their work at nhpr.org and theconcordmonitor.com. And by the way, if you missed any part of today's segment or if you want to catch up on previous weeks, you can find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be here next Friday as well with more top headlines, as always. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is NHPR.